So I think I think you usually I wait to introduce people, but I think you gotta introduce yourself just so everyone has full blown context of like what's about to come. But go ahead. Should should I look at should I look at the camera? Yeah, you don't have to. I mean you can. That'd oh. be funny. Hey, I'm Hanukkah Tana, I'm musician, author, action actress, all that jazz, um, and I like to talk a lot, and <laughs> I used to think it was a weakness, but actually it's a strength. It is a strength, especially like, when you're on a podcast, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I, I, I genuinely don't know when to shut up, so this is oh, that, perfect that's for great. something like Neither me. Neither do I. This is, this, you're made for this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, um, you know, so I, I, I can't remember what post it was. I think it was like, I think it was like your own original song you were like lip syncing to, but you were also, I think you also had like a sword and at the very least, I know the first, my very, very first reaction was like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Um, but then I realized that it was your song and then like, but you were like doing like, kind of like, just like action hero shit. It's hard to explain. But I was like, yeah, okay, obviously this person is multifaceted. And then I like went through some of your other posts and, um, you like, uh, you know, some of them are just like, kind of like cute and fun, like most social media posts. And then someone was like, damn, you're like talking about some like real shit going on in the world based on your own experiences and research and stuff. And, um, I mean, yeah, the podcast is all about featuring people that, um, you know, they're more than that one thing that most people think that they are. And I think you're, I think you're a lot of things just from like what I've seen. And, um, that question I was going to ask before you introduce yourself, I'm just, you're the, you're, you're the type of person I'm like, especially curious about just like what type of like kid you were. You know, because like I look at you now, I'm just like, damn. Like, well, how how did how did this come to be? I was wild. <laughs> I I feel so bad for my youngest sibling, um, Isabella. Now they now go by Issa, um, because I would jump in front of the camera. Mm. I would hog the camera. <laughs> there's there's no pictures of Issa because anytime I saw the camera, oh, I go right in front of it. I I I loved attention i from when i was five years old i told everyone I'm, i was going to be famous and i was going to be a pop star and that yeah. was my destiny was to be a pop star straight up my fifth birthday party um i was I, I was dressed in my purple pajamas and my like my purple feather boa and i got a karaoke machine and i like i, I remember thinking in my head i'm like okay I, I have to make sure i sing so loud the neighbors can hear me Wow. because they'll be so grateful because yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm like I, I was I was literally thinking I'm like okay I'm gonna do something nice for them I'll make sure I sing loud enough so they can hear me yeah like, <laughs> damn like, I was I was an extremely extremely confident kid and that's how I know that insecurities are learned hmm. because I Facts. was I wasn't insecure about a damn thing until people started talking mm. you know speaking their opinions in my ear mm -hmm. like i i remember like literally loving my nose like this is like this is an example i used to love my nose as a kid i always thought it was my one of my best features and then i got on social media and then all of a sudden i had all these people saying oh you have a big nose that's so weird you have a big Why? nose and I, and I would all and i would like I, I would get on twitter and um and like as i started expanding my following i realized that with that comes all these people that 
don't view you as a human. They view you as an avatar. Mm. And they just say whatever they want. Like, you know what I mean? People yeah. feel so powerful yeah. when there's no consequences, when they don't have to look you in the eye. Yeah. So I would just, I would just, and, uh, and it was interesting because then I wanted a nose job for a long time. But, but then I realized that, you know, and now, now I'm extremely confident in who I am. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. Yeah. Insecurities are learned. Yeah. And I think a part of getting in touch with your inner child is that confidence that you had as a child mm -hmm. and just being like, like, who cares? Oh, like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to have fun. Yeah. I'm trying to sing so the neighbors can hear me. Yes. You know? <laughs> now, first of all, I definitely <laughs> did not feel that way about the fucking tuba. Oh my God. When I first started, uh, well, I started on trombone and then eventually moved to tuba, but the early days of both of those instruments, it was just like, I like, I like, if I, if I had the time to like write a personalized like apology letter to all my letters to all my neighbors before like starting i would have at the time but like oh really no oh absolutely absolutely because because like i i knew that i was trash relative to what i wanted it to be but you're right in the sense that like um even if you like know that you're not at the standard you'd like to be that like still holding yourself with that type of confidence like, cause they're, they're like, cause you're right. Insecurities are, are learned. And I think that that definitely came from a, um, it definitely comes from a place where like the people around you at first will like kind of say like, Oh, well, what you're doing is a disturbance to some degree. And then like whatever rabbit hole your mind decides to, cause I mean, usually they're polite about it, but then like, I think I, as a kid, when I thought like, you know, someone would ask me like in the house, like a family member just be like, Hey, like. Uh, do you know when you'll be done? I think I took that as like, holy shit, man, you need to stop. This is like mm. the worst fucking thing in the world. And then now you're constantly thinking about it. You can't even enjoy it. Oh, yeah, no. So, it. yeah, no, because it took me. So every time I like move somewhere, I um the first month, um I'm extremely self-conscious about what my neighbors think about my playing client. And I know that as a fucking tuba player that like I, I will just off the first note I play, I will surpass 99% of people's expectations of it. But still, there's still that thing. Like, cause it still from like a kid, if those early experiences of you doing something that's really important to you, if it feels like the people around you were coming from a place of like you, of it's like somehow being a disturbance, you hold on to that. Like totally. I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I've hold, held on to that my, my entire life. So I, I'm, um, I'm like glad that you come from the, the total opposite of like looking at your shit as a gift to society. That that's that's amazing. I mean, that's how it started. Yeah, you know, as like yeah. a young kid. Eventually, I kind of honestly relate to that yeah. when it kind of went into the teenage years. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like wasn't very socially aware of how I was coming across. You know, so I was just like kind of naive you know and I just kind of was like living in my own world and then you get into like the world of high school and it's like this like weird game and then I kind of just started to feel like I was a burden you know mm. like being hyper aware of everything and like you know how I might come across or whatever mm. um and that's I think I think that's still something that I'm struggling with but um lately I've been getting more in touch like I said, with that inner child, yeah. tapping into that confidence, yeah. just being unapologetically yourself and just having fun. As long as it's not at yeah. the expense of, you know, 
other people's safety or whatever. Right. If you're having fun. So when when you were when you were like, because even those earliest thoughts of, um, you know, wanting to be famous, where where do you think like that like that even came from? Like, because I'm I'm curious. Like, did, did, were were you at the time? I don't like, think I knew what famous was. <laughs> <laughs> when I said that, well, the thing is, my yeah. my grandfather was in the movie business, okay. So I, I had family that was in the entertainment industry, yeah. and I would see my mom sing. I would see my grandpa make movies, so I didn't really understand what famous meant. But I think really what in my head I wanted, I knew I wanted to be successful at making art. Mm-hmm. I think that's really mm. what I meant by when I um when I thought to myself, oh, I'm gonna be famous. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's still the definition that like that I strive for. Mm-hmm. I want to be successful at with my art, and mm-hmm. I want people to receive it. I want people, you know, to like it. And with that comes fame. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I like yeah. that. I like that. So what? How? Where did it? So I mean, it sounds like art was always the the vehicle for Definitely. you in terms of that road to, um, you know, being seen by people. Um, but I'm all, I mean, even going into that, like, how did you, I, cause now, I mean, knowing that like you've done a bit of acting, obviously you make music, um, like what, which, like what came first and then how did like the other come after the other, did, or did you, did you also always know it would be multidisciplinary within arts? I think I always knew I was going to do everything mm. as much as I could, you know? Um, I think music has always been the main thing. Uh, I remember I wrote my first song when I was five. No, 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 sorry, not five, ten, when I was ten years old. And it was actually a country song. I don't even really listen to country yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know, but, by the way, that's uh, so unimpressive now that it's ten instead of five. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, because we're all writing songs when we're ten. But no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it was... It was, it's so funny. I'll, I'll sing this, it was like really short. It's so funny because like, I don't even understand how I was even able to write the song because I knew nothing about what I was writing. It goes like, sorry, don't pay the bills. Sorry, don't fix a broken heart. Sorry, it's just a word. Do, do, do. I'm tired of this stupid word. It's driving me crazy. Do, do, do. Whoa. Oh, do, see. Do, do. I didn't know anything about paying the bills at 10 years old. So where the fuck did I come from? Let me just tell you, the only thing you were missing was a Joe Jackson. <laughs> you needed a Joe Jackson. Because that's a hit. I still, I have not, I've never recorded it. It's just been like the song that I wrote when that's I was 10. That's a hit. I, I have a video on, on my old Facebook account of me like with my little raspy 10 year old <laughs> voice like singing it like totally off key and shit. Dude, that is a... Sorry, don't pay the bill. That, that, no, that, that has more substance than half of the shit I hear on the fucking radio. What are you talking about? <laughs> Honestly, you want to know what my belief is? That I'm actually going to sound batshit crazy. I feel like like musicians like me, I feel like sometimes I don't even write most of my stuff. Mm. I feel like I tap into this thing i don't know how to describe it like sometimes like i'll I'll, like i'll I'll be playing guitar and i'll just like write something and i'll and then after i literally will feel like whoa Mm. what was that you know what i mean like like like, like you feel like you were like possessed by something you're like and and then i'll I'll, and i feel like that's also um that belief has also helped me not judge my work as harshly because 
then it's like this feeling of gratitude where yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel so grateful. I was chosen to be the vessel yeah. for this beautiful piece of art to come through. Yeah. So it's like, who am I to judge this and be like, oh, I'm trash. This is bad, whatever. It's like, no, like any art, you should be grateful yeah. to be able to make art, period. Was, was there... Was there like a particular moment or maybe era of your life where something happened that like made you realize like, oh, like I'm, I'm trying to like take all this shit that I'm doing like truly to a professional level? Like, kind of. Yeah. Okay. So um, after high school, I was just not having a good relationship with my family or with the people in my hometown. It was just lots of drama. I just wanted to get out. And so I moved to California. My grandparents were living in California, in Southern California, around around LA, about an hour north. And so I moved over there. And just being there, it just finds you. What you're meant to do just finds you. And um, it was interesting, because I feel like people are like, oh, like when did you start pursuing music? Like I, I really do genuinely feel like it pursued me. Um, so I started, I started, I was working at a hostess as a hostess and one of the girls, one of my coworkers, she was modeling on the side and she had a manager. I was like, oh, you have a modeling manager? Like, that sounds so cool. I want a modeling manager. You know, everybody feel, everybody feels so cool yeah. when they're like, oh yeah, um, I have a manager. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you just feel so cool when you go, you have, you have, you have your first manager. Yeah. So I was like, I want a manager. And so <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. <laughs> so, um, we, I have a meeting with him and, uh, so he starts, you know, helping me get gigs and he's like, you know, um, models, you know, it's cool that you can model, but like, what else can you do? Like, it's always good when you can pursue different things. Like, can you act? Can you sing? I was like, I love, I can play guitar. I, I write songs. I was like, I, can I sing? Uh, I guess so. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so he was like, okay. And then he set me up uh, with this artist that he knew. And literally, the, you know, the, the first show concert I ever did, I opened up for Scarface. Hold on. Because <laughs> I, I went, because I did a song with this artist that my manager had hooked me up with. And so he was like an opening act and he wanted to do the song that we made together. And so, and I didn't even know who Scarface was either. And it, it was another guy, it was Scarface and another guy who were doing, I don't remember the other guy, but it was like, I was drunk as hell. <laughs> Imagine you like meeting him like, like hi, Mr. Scarface. How's going I don't on? even remember talking to him. I was that drunk. Because <laughs> there were so many people. I was like, I never did this shit before. Damn. I was like, brand, I was like 18. I was like brand new. Um, but yeah, that was kind of how I started doing That was like my first experience in the studio was recording with this artist my manager hooked me up with. And after that, I was obsessed with recording. Um, cause I, I had, so when I was hostessing, I would write these songs in my head and I would need to get them down on paper, but I was working. So I would get the, you know, the receipt, I don't know if you know, like the receipts, mm -hmm you can press a button and it just, this big sheet of paper will come out. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would I would constantly do that throughout the day. Every single shift I would do that. I would write down the lyrics and then I would stuff it in my pockets. And at the end of the shift, I would take out all the receipts out of my pockets and put them in a binder. And then I would take, I would take the binder with me and my guitar and I didn't, I couldn't drive. And so I would just take a train to LA and I would just like play guitar and like 
work on work on the songs and receipts yeah. in from the binder and i would go to any any studio like i would i would take the train to la network with anybody i could i didn't care who the fuck they were as long as they had a studio mm-hmm. and that i could record at but yeah it's just i was always I, it was just it was just so fun actually cause I, I, this is as a like i'm primarily a, a live um like a um god what the fuck am i struggling to say I perform mostly live and um, I've, I've always been curious. Cause I don't have this experience like that, like rappers and um, uh, popular music artists do, but like, it seems like there's a, like, I'm always kind of like amazed by the relationship, the different relationship that artists have with the studio. I, like to, for some, it's just a place where, they're just putting their ideas that they have in their head down. But for some, like, that studio experience of just, like, being, like, in the booth with the mic is, like, a very intimate mm-hmm, experience. Very. But, like, I-, I wonder what it's like the first time. Because, like, I'm-, I'm sure, like, you know, people, you know, their first however many songs are outside of a studio. And then that first time when they're, like, really able to, like, lay it down and work with somebody. I'm- I imagine that, like everything you've ever done is just processed differently once like you're able to like really hear back like hear yourself you know like a a take for the first time or just hear yourself on an instrumental but like (laughs) what were those like like i just because i don't know how significant those first studio experiences are on just like the overall artist experience so when i first started out i thought that you had to do one takes (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was how everybody did it. Yeah. Was everybody just all the way through, not taking a breath, and you you gotta get it perfect. One, I like, <laughs> like I know it seems like obvious, yeah. but like I, obviously like, now the way I do it, I'm like okay, like do a verse, do it over a couple times, and then pick the favorite parts. And, and now I'm like I'm like very I Frankenstein that shit every time. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but when I did the first song, literally it was a one take. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, so I just sang all the way through. I'm like, uh, I think that's good enough. I don't know. <laughs> so um, that was like that was the song I was doing with yeah. him. Um, but it's every artist's relationship with the studio is very unique. Yeah. Me pers- like, there's a lot of artists, especially in the rap, rap scene, mm. hip hop scene. It's like a party. They yeah. got the alcohol, they got the backwoods, they got the girls setting the vibe, all that shit. It's like it's like a whole experience. Mm-hmm. Like the studio is like where is where it's at, you yeah. know? Me personally, I don't want anybody in there. Mm. I literally only want my producer in there. That's it. Mm. If you're, if you're not contributing to the song, I I just don't want you in there. It's just distracting like i said i talk i'll just talk a lot so like i'll just get distracted i'll just start talking to the person or but also not just that but like sometimes like people will just like start like saying their opinions on certain thing and somebody's opinion just like saying oh like this you know they might mean it with like good intention but that could completely change everything about Mm -hmm. the song Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like just like hearing so i feel like you need to be locked into that universe. Like just, yeah. you know, with, with the people that you already decided you're working yeah. with. That, that's just me personally. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm sure it changes yeah. over time for some artists. Like, and also like I get sometimes like I'll, 
I'll get like a little shy sometimes too, especially especially in the beginning. Like, it's it's a very vulnerable thing, you know, singing in front of people sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like concerts are a little different. Um, I feel like with, when I'm like in the booth, like it's it's like I want to feel like I'm in this world with the song. And it can just be like a lot if there's people in the background that are like talking mm-hmm. and then you don't, then you feel like an asshole saying, Hey, like, can you be quiet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like hearing and like having opinions on the song. I don't know. But. Yeah. No, I, I, I can feel that. I mean that, but that, that's, it's cool that like, cause I probably also in all the studio sessions I do, I probably gravitate more towards wanting to be not necessarily completely alone, but like if you're not at the very least, what I demand is that like, if you are going to be there, just like shut the fuck up and yeah. like, like, like acknowledge that this is a place of business. Cause I can't understand exactly. like if you're a non-musician that like, this might be like something super cool to you. Exactly. But people think it's like, and I understand because there are a lot of artists who do treat it mm-hmm. like a party mm-hmm. because, yeah. because that's, that's part of the recording process to yeah. them is, is creating that vibe that's gonna motivate them or inspire them mm-hmm. or you know the girls that are gonna be the muse but it's like like when i go to the studio like i already know like yeah what i'm doing and yeah. then i'm just there to just like execute it yeah. and i don't know like maybe i'm like a little reptilian about it <laughs> but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know, but like everybody, everybody's experience is different. Everybody's mm-hmm. relationship with the studio is different. There's not really a right way or wrong way. I mean, there are right and wrong ways to do certain things when it comes to recording, but like when it comes to your relationship with the studio, mm-hmm. it's like up to you, yeah. you know, how you want to do it. Yeah. So then for you also, I mean, like how did, um, how did like Hana Katana come to be? Okay. And, and how, how long did it take? But like, what was like the time between just being a musician, just writing songs, and then also just like adding an identity to mm. like your artistry? So, like I said, always, always been writing songs, basically my whole life. Um, however, Hanukatana first appeared. So I just, I just, I'm big. If I like a word, I'll write it down. Like, that's just one thing about me. I have, like, a whole list of words that I just like. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll make songs about them. I just I just like the that's way cool. certain words sound. I don't know. I like, I don't, Katana was one of those words. I, just, I, I remember it was just some girl, I was on Twitter, and this girl made a tweet about something that had to do with Katana. And I just got that word stuck in my head. I was like, Katana. Katana. I was just like, it, got, like, it just got stuck in my head. I was yeah. like, Katana. I was like, I love that word. Yeah. I was like, I want that word to be part of, like, my name as a musician. Because if it speaks to me that way, it's going to speak to other people. I just had a feeling. And my name, my real name is Hannah. But I had always spelled it on social media as Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on, my, on my social media before it was Hannah Rose. Because Rose is my middle name. Mm. And I was like, Hannah. I was like, oh, Hannah Katana. It actually rhymes together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then I, was, and then I was also thinking around the time I was kind of coming into my spiritual awakening. Um, I, I'd been raised... Uh, non-denominational Christian but I was kind of starting to unpack and really get into my like the meat of my beliefs and um, I was really really pondering spiritual warfare and just like metaphysical things and I I, re- I really really realized that music is magic it's a form of manifestation and the tongue is mightier than the sword 
and I felt like my words were my sword, mm -hmm. you know? And we talked a little bit. Oh, uh, actually, we didn't. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get into this. <laughs> but um, I feel like you can problem solve anything with words. Mm. You never need to get violent. You can solve anything with words if you can communicate it effectively enough, yeah. you know? And I feel like I really do battle my own demons that way. You know, I, I process my own emotions and I communicate things. I don't know. I just feel like my words are my katana and I feel like Hana Katana was the perfect, was the perfect name for me. And it kind of was like a metaphor for everything that I stand for. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that, that's, that's so, first of all, I, I just respect how, um, I, I respect how like well you know yourself, at least in the sense of just um, being like just very deliberate of like with who you are becoming, you know? Um, you know, you, you definitely strike me as a person who like, in terms of like why you are the way that you are, you know, uh, good or bad, that it's not just some like mindless, like, oh, I'm just a result of my environment or whatever, mm -hmm. like, like, I really admire how hands-on you seem to be just like with just, I mean, the, the major decisions in your life. And I mean, how, how did like, so then, I mean, with the music and then also acting, like with acting, like was there some other similar moment where, well, like whether you realized you just had the potential to do it or that, you know, maybe you just really wanted to do it, but then like, how did that come into the picture? So acting was kind of just, okay. So with acting, um, I was a teacher for a mm -hmm. while. I was a preschool teacher, then became a kindergarten teacher. And during the pandemic, that kind of just complicated a lot of things. And I had to leave the job. That in itself is its own complicated story. <laughs> but um, I basically had just signed a lease on this brand new, very expensive apartment. And I was like, how am I going to pay the bills? And I was like, okay, well... Um, we like try to get into like modeling again and acting again and music again and see what you know I can do. So I signed up on this agency website and just started taking random gigs and ended up getting casted, just like backstage uh, or not backstage, uh, background acting mm -hmm. with uh, Euphoria. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it w it was wild because they they don't tell you what the role is for with certain pro like really big projects. They'll use a code name, and it was it barely paid anything. It barely paid anything at all. And I remember God, I felt God tell me, you should apply for this. And in my head, I was like, this doesn't pay anything. And at the, at the time, I was also doing OnlyFans. So I was like, mm. I make this much in like five minutes. And this is the day rate. Like, yeah. why would I take this job? Because yeah. honestly, like not all acting jobs pay that well. Some, yeah. some pay very well. Yeah. Some don't. Yeah. <laughs> Background jobs don't. And, the, and it, like I said, it didn't even say Euphoria. It said some random title. And literally, God was like, take this job. Like, you're supposed to be here. And then I took it, and then I ended up, it ended up being Euphoria. And I ended up meeting this girl. And she was doing stunt acting classes. And she was, like, talking about it. And uh, the school is called Blade Girl Films. And they specialize in sword fighting, katana fighting. Mm. And so that's when I really started getting obsessed with stunt work. And just like training for that. And you know, for people that are just like listening that like, obviously if you're just listening, you're, you can't, you know, see Hannah, but yeah, she, 
literally looks you literally look like an uh, like a fucking superhero. <laughs> But like like post production <laughs> like CGI added superhero, but like in real fucking life, like congrats. Really, you can tell with the sleeves. Oh yeah, dude. I feel like I got a sleeper build. No, dude. You're, look, I mean, I, I I think I think you have the type of build. I mean, you could be in a fucking like mascot uniform. It, 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 you're 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 like. You can, all, you can just always tell when someone is, like, purposeful with their body. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, yeah, like, you don't, like, eat McFlurries. You know what I mean? I like, don't even know what that would taste exactly. like. <laughs> I, I bet. I bet. You know? But, like, no, I mean, you're – you're, because that and, – and I – when we were, like, messaging, that was something I, I recently learned in that, like, you were going to go into um, – that you yeah you have gone into uh stunt acting and to me like that's so that's so like badass and like any first of all anytime i like meet someone who's doing something that like is either as niche or more niche than me being a fucking professional tuba player (laughs) it's like wow like stunt acting just might be that thing that's like even more niche than that and okay so so why why not like full blown like scarlet johansson acting and like why stunt acting cuz it sounds fun yeah it just sounds more fun and honestly i don't want to memorize a shit ton of lines <laughs> just to be completely honest yeah. and stunt actors and personally i don't think i'm the best actress in the world but if you can do really good stunts you can get away with that mm. So that's why, like, remember Rock Lee, genius of effort? Yeah. I'm trying to become a genius of effort when it comes to stunts. And because I feel like with physical things, you can push through. As long as you push through and you give it your all, you can do that. All you got to do, lift those weights every single day. Yeah. Just stick to the regimen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, when you when you're doing stunts, you don't have as many lines. Yeah, <laughs> so. ha, but have you have you ever thought of like the kind of like like the hot like I feel like um the Jackie Chan and like Jason Statham's of the world, like low key like they probably should be stunt actors, but like they like I f- I feel like I feel like they're actors who are like. I mean, I'm not trying to like Jackie Chan. He's a he's a good actor. He's like decent. Uh, stay them as well but like you don't you know they're not known for like they're like you know they're, they're not playing like leo type roles mm-hmm. right like it's mostly action stuff and they're doing their own stunts and like that that's what they're like heralded for but like like have you ever thought of like that kind of like hybrid of like where you're you're you're, you're the actress but like you're doing the stunts as well Well, that's the goal yeah that's the goal i'm when i when i move back here i'm gonna get an acting coach and Again, genius of effort type shit. Try to really just try to get as good as acting as I possibly Dude, can. Literally be. just sitting well, here, like no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just trying to be the best that I can be. And okay. I know that I could be a great actress. And I just think doing stunts sounds fun. And on top of that, um, I want to do stunts in my music videos. That's actually the main reason why I started doing stunts. Because mm. I love music videos. I love music videos. <laughs> and I love crazy music videos and i think doing your own stunts in a music video like that's some rock star shit yeah
again, before, you know, talking on here, we've talked a bunch about just like what, um, cause like, this is what I've always, I've always like asked just in general, like how do, uh, mixed people feel in terms of acceptance from both sides of their, of themselves, like whether they're mixed with white and black and just like, if they feel like they're a part of this and that, but like also just like what they've received from both communities. And obviously in talking to you, um, I think you've shared a, a really unique perspective on this, but I'm, I'm also just, I'm just kind of curious, like how much of this has been an internal battle as much as external and just like, like, like just how much has all of this, like, uh, impacted you well the funny thing is is like i never felt like i was not accepted by any community mm. before like i always i felt like i i had family members try to kind of ex as a kid i had like my white grandfather try to explain to me what racism was <laughs> and i was so confused i was like because i didn't i didn't even know what race was until i was 10 years old mm. I thought that my skin was brown because I drank more chocolate milk than my siblings. That's adorable. I'm being completely serious. That's I because and, the, and that's the truth. Kids don't see race until it's taught because it's a social construct. Like brown skin and white skin is the same thing as like brown eyes and blue eyes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just like you're just people. Um and like I had family members try to tell me, oh, you know, people might treat you this way. And I, you know, I would notice certain things, but like I never felt like as like communities as a whole, I was ostracized from any from any mm. one community until the TikTok thing happened. Mm. The the TikTok thing happened, and um, basically what it taught me is that I'm much more racially ambiguous than I previously thought. That's really all it taught me. Um, and it was definitely interesting because I feel like I, like, I don't know if the right term is like body dysmorphia or like, I just mm. became like confused because I, I like, I see myself as mi like as mixed as, as everything. Right. Um, and I've always been told that I need to put myself in a one box. Right. I grew up with a white family and they're like, Hey, like you're, not white you are black once i did find out what race was once they did finally tell me when i have to you know dot in the little bubble on the scantrons when it's like oh what's your race you I, I wanted to choose more than one my teachers told me i could only choose one and that i needed to choose black because that's what i was mm -hmm. so i was like okay cool and that stuck with me you know so i attached my non-whiteness to my part blackness because i didn't know i was part native american at the time and so that just kind of stuck with me so then on tiktok i i've like I make a casual video where I'm like, oh, like when you're the only black person at the late club, right? Because th that is something that I feel like every single brown or black person can relate to. You just notice when you're the only brown or black person somewhere mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a certain setting. You know what I mean? I, I was in Texas. I, I just recently kind of moved back to Texas for a little bit and it was like only Aryans, around me <laughs> I swear no no like no 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 yeah. no, no no like actually I'm everybody <laughs> was like blonde hair blue eyes I was at a fucking late club yeah. I was house sitting for my family friend yeah. blonde hair blue eyes everywhere I'm like 
Like I'm, yeah. I was like, I'm the only black person here. <laughs> like I, like I was, yeah. I was just, I was just like, I wasn't even. I was, I was going through this thing where I was trying to tweet. I was tweet. I was trying to treat TikTok like it was Twitter and be more casual with it. So normally wow. that was something that I would actually make as a tweet. And so I was, I was trying to get in this headspace of just trying to use TikTok more casually to get more content out. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll make this a TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I used it to this little Meg the Stallion audio. I was like, let me drive the boat. And then I took a video of a bunch of white people driving their boat. <laughs> so I thought it was like a funny video. I thought it was going to get like five likes. Yeah. And then just went viral. And all these people are like, oh, whoa, Vicky is at it again. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, Vicky. I was like, what does that even mean? That's just a hilarious like comparison. And I- and. And, but I, I had it gave me I was wearing a filter where it gave me green eyes. But the thing is, when I put on a filter, when I look in the mirror, I'm not thinking, oh, do I look black today? Do I look white today? Do I look Puerto Rican today? Do I look mm. Brazilian today? I'm just like, oh, that's me. I'm just I look like me today. Like I don't like as the seasons change, I don't pay attention to how dark or light my skin is getting. It all looks the same to mm-hmm. me. But other people do notice it. Mm-hmm. And um it was interesting. I didn't I didn't know that there were people out in the world that saw me as a white woman. And mm. part of and that it honestly kind of broke my heart because I thought it was very obvious that I was at least mixed or brown in some way because it's been very very obvious to everybody else I've what's, ever met. What's definitely 100% like if you have fucking eyes obvious is that you are not white. That, that to like, you and to most people that is the truth. But the thing is, race is based upon how any one individual is perceiving your phenotypes, right? So when it comes to like monoracial people that are not mixed, is those phenotypes are very obviously this to everybody, usually. When it comes to mixed people, we have all these different features. So it's like we can be perceived as all these different things by all these different people. And now all of them think it's a fact because reality is based on what you agree on it to be. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we're looking at this TikTok echo chamber where all these people are agreeing with each other that I look white, I'm white to them. So and that's reality. Weird. And then they gaslight me and they don't even realize that they're gaslighting me, telling me I'm a white woman. Because yeah. to them, I'm a white woman who has white privilege. When in reality, you have to be seen as white people to have white privilege. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't. I have, I have light skin privilege, which is completely different from mm-hmm. white privilege. And yes. that, that in itself is its own thing that I don't even want to get into yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it was interesting. And I'm, it, it was definitely, I like I said, I like to understand. So it was definitely eye-opening to realize that I'm seen as a white woman yeah. to some people. That you know, funny, which is like, insane. It's it's fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's fucking bonkers. But I have to accept. There's nothing I can do. I I can't change if someone sees me as Latina. If someone sees me as black. If someone sees me as Middle Eastern. If someone sees me as white. I never know how anybody's gonna perceive me unless they tell me. And that's just my reality. That's just yeah. what I have to live with Dude, and accept. At the, at the like most like. Looking at, I, I was just like as you were speaking now, I was like looking at it and just like, where could you be from? I I know Le- Lebanese people that look like you. I know, like I said earlier, Iranian people that look like you, but I I don't know any white people. Like just like like at the most, you know, white people who are cosplaying as mixed people who look like me. Ariana Grande. Exactly, <laughs> and that is the problem. Is yeah. now there's white people that 
get perms, that get BBLs, that wear self-tanner, and now they look like mixed people, so now mixed people look like white people. Bro, but really, it's not that mixed people look white, it's that white people look are trying to look yeah. mixed because that's what's trendy because we're fetishized. You that, know what I mean? That baby literally like is like a black woman now. I know. And then now you look at people like me and you're like, oh, you're white yeah. because you look like bad baby. Yeah. Okay. It's like bad baby looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? Like, like, the shit. <laughs> Bro, but, I, there, but there's nothing I can do. Yeah. There's nothing I can do. Like, I can't I can't change the way I'm perceived by people. Yeah. I literally just have to accept it and stay, tr- stay true to who I am and not let people gaslight me. And the crazy thing about the TikTok controversies was I wasn't trying to tell people they weren't allowed to see me as white. I was just like, look, you see me as white, but I'm mixed mm-hmm. and I'm also black. And I'm also Native American. But the thing is, in that in that TikTok, right, I said, oh, I'm the only black person at the Lee Club because that that is, I guess, the main way I do identify myself as because of my childhood. Because I was told, you're not white because you're mixed with black. Mm-hmm. You're not white because you're black. Mm-hmm. You're black. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we have the one drop rule to thank for that, which is a whole nother thing that I'll just go on a whole nother rant with. You know, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so it's, it's not up to anybody else to tell you how to identify your identity is up to you to define and nobody else, you know? And I think that's something I'm very grateful that I learned from that experience because I almost let people gaslight me, you know? And then I was like, I was like, wait, I was like, wait, am, am I white? And I'm like, no, because like. I'm not white because I'm brown and I've been, and then I had people trying to tell me, okay, well, how do you know you're, you're black or you're brown? Like, what are your, what are your experiences with racism? And then obviously, obviously, obviously I've had those, but I was like, I thought for a minute, I'm like, so is like, my identity is relied on like, my, my, my blackness equates to the discrimination I faced. And then I, I felt like, there was something sinister about that, that like, that's what blackness meant is like, your demonic and tra- and tra- uh, and uh, traumatic experiences. Uh, so when I went to record my music video for Friends Don't Make You Cry, I was recording one of the scenes, the boxing gym for the fight scene. And we had, we were the first people there in the morning, like, the my co-director is literally the manager of the gym and so he opened it up with his keys and then locked the door when we were in and so it was just me and him and the videographer and we're just setting up i'm like getting craft services ready i had like made a bunch of sandwiches for like the whole crew like the night before i'm like setting those up and then like i'm like going in the bathroom making sure everything's good and then all of a sudden it's like i see this like older woman come out of the bathroom stall and she's like she's like sorry (laughs) 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 and i'm like sorry what do you mean and i go and look there's like a fat shit in the toilet and then i'm like damn she didn't flush it and then so i try to flush it and it doesn't flush and I'm like, oh, that's why she said sorry. <laughs> she said sorry. I'm like, why are, you, why are you saying sorry? I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm like, 
I'm like, damn. Yeah. When there's only two toilets. So I'm like, damn, like this shit ghetto as fuck. Like yeah. all my, like my fucking like da- dancers are going to come and my actors are going to come in and try to go to the bathroom and they're going to see the shit in like, like. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. So I was like, I just closed the door. I'm like, I just tried to, I'm like, hey, man, like, just don't go in the handicap oh stall. Just trust me. Just just don't go in there. You know what I mean? That shit's stinking. So yeah. we, we leave the door open so it doesn't, the smell <laughs> doesn't, like, fester in there. But but the, but the funniest part of all is that, like, I, I talked to my co-director. I'm like, yeah, like, oh, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, did you, like, let her in? Like, this is, like, halfway through the shoot. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, remember that random lady, like, you let in the store? let in and he's like what are you talking about i didn't let her in (laughs) so so this woman was already in there before we ever even opened the door but she slept in there we don't know how she got there oh christ (laughs) we don't know how she got there turns out she was already there before us she was in that hoe. She was sleeping there. Oh and then took God. the shit in there and then left when she realized there were a bunch of people coming in That's like super early. That's where instantly went. I was just hoping you would say any, literally anything <laughs> else. Oh my God, bro. <laughs> and like, I don't know. Like there's, like there's something even like creepier about like a shit being in there from like a mystery person. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like. It was interesting. <laughs> but honestly, part of me is glad that, like, I have her to blame because it's like, what if I had taken a shit there? And then I would have been the person with the shit that's in the toilet. At least I have someone to, like, put the blame on. I'm like, oh, yeah, some mm. random lady shit in the toilet. You have to call you Hannah Shitana. Damn. I mean, that, honestly, it doesn't sound bad. It doesn't. Shitana. That, like, we could have, like, we have, like, put an accent on it. <laughs> Um, okay. But we're, we're just getting, we're just getting stories now. Another story. Last story. Um, so, lately, the most recent song I've been working on is a song called Fear of Heights. Mm. And I came up with the concept, like, about a year ago. And I just didn't really, really work on it. Some, some, like, I have a bunch of, I have, like, a list of concepts that I'll just put on. And whenever I'm bored, I'll look at it and then expand on it. And so I was working on it. I just felt called to work on that song. And I was almost done. Really good song. I was almost done writing it, and then I just got this writer's block. And I literally spent, like, three days, like, in my room, like, trying to write the song. I just got – because sometimes I'll get fixated on certain things. So I just got – I was like, I have to finish the song. I have to finish the song. And then I was like, huh. I can tell. I Sorry, not to interrupt. I can tell that, like, if you get focused on that, I can tell that, like, at your worst, you will, like, absolutely – I'll drop yourself. I'll drop everything in my life. <laughs> if I become like really focused like even if like even like on a topic, like if I really like a topic, I'll yeah. literally like I'll cancel all my plans just I to research a topic. Like literally, I'll drop anything for a topic. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, so I had this like crazy writer's block and I'm like ah and then my and I had I had plans to go um work out with my brother. And we were thinking about going rock climbing. And I was like, okay. I was like, wait a minute. This actually might be like the exact type of thing I need to do. Mm-hmm. When I have writer's block is do an activity that's almost like a metaphor for what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. in the song. Right? Like the song is called Fear of Heights. So what should I do? 
I should go somewhere. I should do something where I'm actually up high, right? And where I'm actually up in the heights, right? Because in the song, I'm, I'm comparing the high of being in love to the high of going up on a mountain. And so in the song, I'm saying I'm not afraid of heights. I'm just scared of the fall, right? And in reality, people say, oh, I'm, I'm, I have a fear of heights. But it's not that you really have a fear of heights. You have a fear of falling from the height. So the higher you go, people are afraid. Like, the higher you go, the harder the fall, right? Yes. So that's kind of what the song is about. It's kind of like that fear of intimacy getting too close to somebody, giving them that power over you. And so me and my brother went rock climbing. And it wasn't like we didn't go on like an actual thing. We just went to a gym. But the thing is, the gym didn't have any harnesses. And that I thought that they did. And I would not have went there if I knew that they didn't have <laughs> harnesses. Because that's, 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 that's so that's scary. A, that's another level of... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so... Because we, that, our, people... Isn't that... That's... that's because there's climbing, but then there's like free climbing, right? Yeah, it was free climbing. Okay, yeah. And um, so we had to learn how to fall safely, basically. And so it was really interesting oh. because that helped me overcome my rider's walk because really putting myself in that position where I'm up high. Because I'm like, because I then I realized, oh, it's not just about being up high. It's not just about falling. It's about that moment in between when you're bracing that fall, when you have to make that. And sometimes you have to make that decision to fall sometimes yeah you fall by accident but sometimes like you fall on purpose you know so i was like when i got up high the, to get down i could climb down or i could fall down and so i like i got to the top of this one area and then i was just like like just like that that moment in between i just never really thought about that when i was just on my computer but when i was actually there it became like like the most intense moment to me it was like that in between moment and then I would fall and like my stomach would drop and like the, like that sensation of my stomach dropping just mm. like it, like it just helped me like really put myself in the song yeah. and it wasn't just something I, I felt like I wasn't looking at the song from the outside anymore. You know, I was really able to relate, you know, these sensate, these sensations and stuff. And, and then after a while I realized, wait a minute, the, the, the fall kind of feels like I'm flying. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and and so now I feel like that's such an essential. After that, that's such an essential thing to me. Whenever I have writer's block now, and I was in the studio uh, with my producer Corey, uh, literally yesterday, and we had some. We had like a, a blockage creatively, um, you know, trying to transition the, the bridge and the hook and everything. It's called Checkmate. The song I showed you, and I'm like, I'm, and I told him about the story of like the rock climbing and fear of heights and I'm like okay well we need to do a, an activity that is going to inspire us that is a metaphor that ties to this song and like I'm thinking what's an activity and he's like oh man like he's like and he's like telling me he's like he's like I want to do something cool but we're like thinking plans that we can make we can do something cool while I'm here and he's like he's like yeah it's just, it's just hard like I'm so busy I don't have that much time and I'm like chess let's play a game of chess mm. So we go, we leave the studio and we go play a game of chess. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like just like a 30 minute thing. So it's like, so, but it, but it's like sometimes like you need to get out of the studio. You need yeah. to get out of the writer's room. You need to get off of your computer and like do something that in some way relates yeah. to the song or whatever it is that you're, or the project. You know what I mean? Like something that's a metaphor that'll help you put yourself in that universe. Like we're making a song called Checkmate and we haven't even played chess together. 
what a fucking joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I don't know. It just, like, puts everything in perspective. Yeah. And while we were playing chess, it, like, there's just so many different things to think about while you're playing and different things to learn from. And I don't know. It's, it's just cool. No, it's I think cool. It's, it, it's like method acting. For like music, yeah. Method music, yeah. No, no, no. no to, I, and I've never heard of anyone doing this before. I, I always hear people say, like, oh, if you have writer's block, you know, go out and get out and get some fresh air. But yeah. I've, I've never heard somebody say, like, try to find an activity that serves as a metaphor for the project and then do that to give you, like, yeah. a new pers- like a deeper perspective. Because yeah. I, I like making songs that have a lot of metaphors in them. So, like, you know, fear of heights and love going up high. Yeah. And then thinking about how those feelings that your stomach dropping is the same feeling of when you have butterflies. And that was so, you know, Damn. so apparent to me when I was actually falling, yeah. you know? No, I just, I, I, I just like appreciate the, um, like the, I the, think the, the desire to like actually understand the perspective of like whatever concept you're writing about, like in, in a song, but to actually follow through with like, we're just trying to give yourself the most context possible to like understand what it is that you would say or think in that situation facing that moment i mean and yeah it's like what what better thing than to like actually put yourself in a situation and it's a tax write-off <laughs> i'm all um i i have writer's block i need to go to japan and uh play chess yeah i have you know apparently shit i got writer's block all the time now but damn Um, no that 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 that, um, was like i don't know i just wanted to share that like for like any other musicians on here that might be struggling with writer's block just like like just just get creative get leave get go outside yeah go do something and think about like you know like how it could relate to the project that you're working Mm -hmm. on some of the, the best shit i mean i started this podcast i was sitting my backyard one day just smoking a joint and i don't know man i was just like damn like you like talking start talking well, totally like, on fucking mic and it just like so i don't know no like, my oh sorry you know, no, i was i just i just feel like the biggest stuff comes when you're not necessarily like trying to find that shit it just exactly it just, i don't know I don't know, because there's a certain pressure that, like, you put your brain under when you are trying that, like, like you, it, you have to, you have to know the moments when you have to step away from something totally. to get closer to it. Well, it's just like with painting, like when I would do oil paintings and I, I like took this oil painting class in high school and I would like get really fixated on like, you know, blending everything. I would look really close. My teacher would have to come. She'd go on my shoulder and she's like you need to take a step back and look at your picture to see what it really looks like wow. you know and so I would take a step back and then I would know exactly what I needed to do hmm. you know what I mean and yeah. like that's actually like a thing in painting is yeah. like you you like you're not supposed to just look at it like really close you're supposed to look at it from afar and if it looks good from afar then you're good wow. yeah and so and so like and I think that's such a great metaphor for a lot of honestly within painting there's so many great metaphors yeah. i could just go on and on but um yeah that was something that really spoke to me no that's cool I, i'm i'm actually i'm really glad that you shared that just because i think i mean writer's block is a i i, I know it's a it's a big thing and i i just like the idea of like actively trying to 
Wow, is that rain? Oh yeah, I think so. God, well, good for good for us, I guess. But yeah. no, I just I just I know how tough it can be to put yourself in those shoes. And I just like the idea of like literally putting yourself No, like in those literally shoes. putting yeah. yourself in the shoes. Yeah. And another thing I've learned about writer's block is it's actually just like you being overly critical of yourself, you know? Yeah. Um like have you ever seen a kid with writer's block? I have, yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I mean I taught. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean like like a, I'm talking about like a toddler type shit. No, like yes. like, like I mean, really? Well, I mean, does like six years or seven years old count? I'm thinking like more like four, like oh, like four shit. or five. No, I guess not that young. Like like more kind of just like from a play perspective. Okay. Like I feel like sometimes like we forget how to how to play, you know. Yeah. And like when you're playing, like you're just you're not really creating for a purpose. You're just creating to create. Mm-hmm. You're just making art. You're just scribbling on a paper to scribble on a paper. You're not like like you like you don't really care. You're building a sandcastle and you don't care if the waves crash over it. You're happy to step on it and whatever. Yeah. Um. That's more like what I meant, like, and so like when you're doing activities like that, it's like you're not like you're not like forcing the idea to come to you. You're just like you know chilling. You're mm-hmm. not really judging anything. Mm-hmm. You're just like experiencing, and then it kind of comes to you. Kind of like when you're trying to remember a dream. The more you try to remember, yeah. the less you do, yeah. and then you'll just be sitting there randomly, like, oh, that's what yeah. happened. There's a certain you know? level of letting go-ness that, like, in anything. You you get, like a just, what's it called? What's that? What's the thing called? The finger trap? The Chinese finger trap? Oh you're yeah, to force yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I know. What it you're doesn't work. Yeah, no, it's it's weird. There there is such a thing as being just too focused on something and just like <clears throat> like I don't know, just trying to visualize what you're trying to accomplish and like just doing it without like trying to be in control of every little thing. It's it it applies to. I mean, even with that, like, like the best players are the best players on any instrument because of the moments where you're required to just let go, just let the air flow or totally whatever the fuck it is you're doing. You just got to let it flow. Well, you make mistakes when you become hyper-focused mm-hmm. about shit. You know what I mean? You're Don't being, I know it. When you get all nervous and you're like, oh, yep. am I going to mess up? Yep. That's when you mess up. Yeah. And when you're just like, when you're just in the zone not thinking about anything mm-hmm. like that's when you really really yep. are like creating magic over it it uh god that applies with both like professional shit and like personal shit like overthinking i don't think overthinking has ever got me where i wanted to be with like anyone or anything just i mean it's just I don't know. There's a, there's a, like, it's like, you kind of have to trust that you've shown up to something and that like your intuitiveness can then take over the rest, but that like, you're mostly prepared for like what you need to do in that, that it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, I think, I think what's consistent is like the need to check in with yourself, whether you're creating Mm -hmm. something or whatever, just knowing what it is that like, Oh, you need more like logistic discipline or whatever okay lean more into like that but sometimes like those moments when you know like you need to you need to make more of an effort to create like a creative energy and a creative space those that's harder than to at least for me to identify than like the moments where it's like oh like this needs to be more like structured and logical or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah no but that that 
I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure, especially artists, every artist can relate to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden became a rainforest, but man, um, Hana, Katana, dude, this is uh, I haven't had an episode like this in a little while. Like a little while, you know. Like I've had, I've had like very like focused experts on very specific stuff, but I think you're a reminder, like you're you're a reminder on the podcast that um, it's one that like we all have the capability and right to like as long as you care about what you're doing you can do anything and you can do as much as you want as long as you can like as long as you can just like it's like that balance of like organization and creativity and of course the dedication and consistency i just feel like you i just feel like you mirror that oh my god you don't want to see my planner like no like actually like i'm actually insane like no i'm actually insane. no i i bet no because i literally a couple years ago i i created this thing um called my time budget you know like how people budget money and i'm like well time is money so you should have a time budget so i literally well i have like a schedule for so okay basically so it starts out with my my biggest goals everything that i want to achieve like kind of like manifest type shit. Like literally my biggest fucking goals and what age I want to accomplish those goals by. And I'm talking about like there's some big goals on there by the time I'm 30, mm-hmm. you know, and 35. It literally goes down to like my 40s. And so for this for this year, the goals for this year, I have it separated by month to month to month. And for every, for this month, I have it separated by each week. And for this week, I have it separated by every day. So it actually makes every single one of my goals realistic as long as I follow the plan. As long as I follow the plan, I can do anything I want to do. And that's a fact. Hannah, you, you're just, you've, I just feel like you've shined a light on a lot of stuff. Just like a lot of like fundamental approaches to process your process to how you do all sorts of stuff that's just helpful like regardless if a person is an artist or anything like it's just this is just shit that's like applicable to like being dedicated to anything um not for everyone listening again thank you um this is hana it's me yours truly and uh yeah no it's a song called life and um now you have to go find something else to do i don't know man go walk your dog i don't know but bye